Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, pick Guardian. Jared Brandon. <laughs> of? That's it? Jared Brandon. It's just going to be Jared Brandon. Okay. Okay. Jared Jared is talking on a really, really, really small microphone in a really big room. It's uh, it's the one that Bob Barker used for many years. Yeah. Oh, yes, on the lungs. Uh, hey, everybody, this is Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs Podcast. So thrilled to death that you are listening to our show. <laughs> Very. I'm mega. I've been waiting for this one for weeks. I've been planning it for for a couple years. months, actually. You've been planning it for years. Several months. Nay, several months. <laughs> <laughs> are you a horse um, now? And because this is... Well, first, let's introduce our guest. Guest, introduce yourself. Uh, this is Chris Gill. Okay. Uh, I've got, well, I've an, a contributor to Guitar World magazine. Um, my history goes back, I think, as I mentioned, you know, with the Van Halen book. You know, I just did the uh, Eruption Conversations with Eddie Van Halen that came out six months ago. Um, also used to work at Roland back in the mid-'80s to the, the early-'90s. Uh, just a crazy guitar collector, Pedal collector, amp collector. Man knows his way around the gear. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You've been you've been writing about gear for about how long? Oh my god! Uh, well, I started. You know, pretty much my 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 job at Roland when I started there was to do all their catalogs and brochures. And Roland puts out, at least at the time, was putting out about two hundred and fifty to three hundred products a year. Wow! So that was like almost like I had to do like almost like a brochure a day, and then a big catalog. Wow. And then, Nam time, I had to do all these new product releases and things like that. No pressure. So I, I kind of um, just fell into that. I mean, I, I might exaggerate. I think it was probably about 200 products a year, actually, that they did. But um, yeah. um, so there was that. And I guess a lot of that was my attention to detail was just, you know, having to know all the features of this, that, and, you know, having to know the competitors and what they had. And that sort of thing. But I was just a gear nut to begin with anyways. I just, you know, I was like a diehard reader of Guitar Player Magazine and um, just, you know, always looking at all the catalogs from every place, whereas PMI back here in New Jersey or, um, you know, the, the Musician Supply Catalog in El Cajon, California, you know, or wherever, and just um, always lusting over gear, you know, as it was. And <laughs> I had a brother who was an electrical engineer, and he used to build me stuff, you know, the Paya catalog, you know, one of the Paya flangers was one of my first effects. So, and, but um, just always had this passion for, for stuff and collecting and, you know, just I would buy stuff and it would just go into this black hole. Never, he would go in and never leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned the uh, interview with uh, Eddie Van Halen uh, conversations. It's called Eruption Conversations with Eddie Van Halen. We had you on. Uh, that was in September of last year. Wow, I know. And yeah. uh, so th- that's how long we've been planning this episode. And uh, that is episode two thirty six. Anybody new to uh, the the show, yeah, I would highly recommend going back and listening to that because you have, um, you know, from several horses' mouths what happened um, <laughs> back in the day. So, uh, but but let's talk about right now because right now, oh my goodness, I'm excited about this. What are we gonna talk about? This is Japanese pedals 101. 
<laughs> Jared's favorite and um, and the favorite of of many a listener, including um, me, including Chris. So this is going to be a good one. It really is um, because there's something magical, mysterious, alluring, unattainable, and they're made of unobtainium. You I know all of that stuff, um, and and really, they set the foundation for basically. Um, a lot of what our modern sounds are. Um, so it, we're going to dive deep. And the reason is like, uh, why would we have Chris on to talk about this? Well, in the episode 236, uh, he kind of, it, it was they were jokingly saying, oh, Chris has over 500 pedals. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's a, you're just, you know, turn of phrase. Brad Talinsky, the editor uh, editor in chief of Guitar World, said no. He he actually really does have over five hundred pedals, and I was like, wow. Okay, how can we use this guy to help us all learn a lot of stuff? And this was the first thing that came to my mind because I had just purchased uh, the Maxon Flanger from the eighties. Cool. So, anyhow, we uh, he's. Obviously, given us a little dose of why he's qualified to talk about a lot of this, um, and uh, and he has, uh, he's listed off a bunch of stuff I've never heard of, which is great because now we're going to learn some stuff. So awesome show ahead, everybody! Buckle up and uh, hope you enjoy and take notes. Okay, um, there will be a test. Yeah, <laughs> we will all <laughs> fail except you, I'm sure. Um, we need to just say a few announcements here real quick, like uh, we need to thank Road. Yes, Road Mics for supplying our lovely instrumentation here mm-hmm. and keeping us going every single week. And a big shout out to our pal Nick down there at Road. Hey, Nick. I also wanted to share a, a couple things. Um, first of all, I got a, a, a nice little note from somebody. Uh on Instagram, it said, um, this is from Vinny, um, not my guitar, but a a gentleman named Vinny. And he says, amp knowledge. It said, hi everyone. Todd, after listening to lots of your questions about amps, I think you would like and gain a lot from the truth about vintage amps podcast. Thanks for all the work you do. And I was like, Hey, that's cool. I, I, when I have some time, I'm definitely going to check that out. And I appreciate Vinny for, you know, kind of saying, hey, there's this thing over here. That's how we all learn. That's how that's how all of this gets all spread out. Because we like, if you like that, oh, you should check this out. And then we tell somebody, and then that person tells somebody, and then pretty soon everybody knows everything or, is, right. or is enjoying their time. The other thing I wanted to uh, point out um, on a slightly more, I think, serious and maybe heart, big heart kind of uh, note is... I was contacted by David Gehring of Effects Layouts, and um, that he, he was on a previous episode. I can't access that right now because I'm talking about this, but uh, go look for yourself. Um, he's a super good dude making all kinds of really good stuff. And um, he and a lot of other builders are um, working on a few things right now, and it's called Pedals for Ukraine. Mm. Oh, cool. And so I said, hey, do you have like some kind of PR thing I can just, you know, read off so I'm not messing this up because they've already they've obviously put a lot of thought into it. Um, and I checked it out and, and essentially um, this is what it is. So I'll, if you don't mind, I'll just read this off. 
It says, uh, we are a collective of effects pedal makers who have come together to raise money for the humanitarian causes. Auctions are ongoing for handmade pedals with some very talented builders. Here's how it works. Bidding will be done in the comments of each auction post on Instagram. The winning bidder will use the provided link to make a donation directly to one of the charities listed in the auction post. Winning bidder will provide a proof of donation to pedalsforukraine at gmail.com. Maybe you can get a hold of them and if you have ideas or you have a pedal, you're a builder and you want in on this. Um, and then they will mail you the pedal. Uh, it says, we have uh, chosen to focus on the following charities at this time. Um, in no particular order. The World Central Kitchen. Mm, that's a good one. The USA for UN Relief Agency and Doctors Without Borders. That's a very that's a important very one. one. Yeah, so <laughs> um, this is from Pedals for Ukraine, and um, they've got, uh, um, I believe it's Pedals for Ukraine on Instagram as well. Um, you'll find it. Just look around. And if you can't, DM us and we'll we'll connect you. But, um, you know, what's really cool is, like, it's not just a pedal. It's, like, they're making them all specifically for this. So you're going to get colorways, you know, yellow and blue colorways and, and um, uh, all kinds of unique things because they're essentially one-offs. You're, cool. not bu- you're not buying one of like 100 or something like that. Um, so highly recommend doing this. You're not only supporting um, the, the, the people who are, you know, uh, all the unfortunate events that are happening. You're helping humans out just like yourself, but you're also helping other humans just like yourself who love gear and who are making it for you. So please go check that out. Um, with that, let's find out what's going on in our music worlds this week. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start with Tony and then kick That's it over to Chris. Sir Anthony to you. Sir Tanya Balonsky. <laughs> go ahead. Well, you know, Todd, this week was actually a fun, fun week. A friend of mine <clears throat> was uh, liquidating some items. Why and don't you ever, why do, how come we always hear about this kind of stuff after the fact? That is on purpose. That's messed up. It is on purpose. No, you, no. Now, anyhow, so my friend Jeff and I had some, uh, we did some trades back and forth and some, he needed some parts for things and I, blah, 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 blah. And he said, well, you know, I've got some stuff listed on my Reverb site. Uh, Why don't you take a look, see if there's anything you want. And so he sent me a photo of this guitar that I'd never seen before. And, in fact, I've talked to several people since, and they're totally unaware of them, uh, including one guy who is from Germany or was born in Germany. And it is an Otwin Harmony. It's like a jazz box. Mm. And uh, it's got a single cutaway uh, it's got a f- two pickups that are mounted to the pickguard, so it's a totally floating system. Mm. And this is probably from the late 50s, if I had to guess. Um, Jeff told me he got it from uh, a woman who said that uh, her father brought it from Germany when he came to the United States hmm. uh, back in the 50s. So it's, a, it's really cool. I don't cool. know why, but I imagine she, she sounds like Loretta Lynn. You think? My daddy bought me these things when I was just <laughs> It's quite possible. It's quite possible. I don't know. I didn't ask him to, you know, give me an impression of, of what she sounded like. Yeah, but, but anyhow, but it's a very cool guitar. Um, 
as is typical with a lot of German stuff, the uh, controls really don't make a lot of sense. There's uh, two knobs on it and then a switch that has three stops. Mm. And, you know, Todd, what would you say that was? Um, go, wait, and stop. No. F- uh, first pickup, middle position, bridge pickup. Right. You'd be wrong. Okay. So the switch, I, that, the switch is figured. Set, the switch, and this is all I, I pull. I flip the the guard just to see, and this is all factory wire wiring. And in the full, chocolate vanilla strawberry. Yes, pretty much. Okay. So in the full down position, it goes to ground, which is off. Huh. And then uh, in the second position, it is the bridge pickup, which is always the hardest one. And to- then the first cut is the deepest. And then in the third position, uh, it is the neck pickup. And if you wiggle just in between the two of them, you can get both pickups. Now, you may be asking yourself, you know, the two knobs on that pick guard, what do you think they do? Uh, volume and tone. You'd be wrong. Oh. <laughs> because sprinkles, volume and sprinkles volume. or peanuts. It's, it's volume and volume. Oh. No, yep. no tone needed. Interesting. Uh, but it's a really cool guitar. Um, I'm very pleased with it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of these oddball things. There's not a lot of information. I found a, uh, a, a German guitar website that had uh, a, an article, of course, in German. Um, and I could kind of pick through some of it. But thanks, thanks to Google Translate, you can actually open up uh, the thing and it will translate it for you. Mm. Now, not always very good. Some of the words have made absolutely no sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, uh, I think it was something, what did it, the word was, it, 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 you would think it would be something different, but it was like impact. Oh. <laughs> or blow was, was the thing. Yeah. Uh, blow guitar is, is the, and, and, okay. You know. So, no, it's probably not, probably the, not the, right. the intent. Yeah. But, uh, but anyhow, very cool. I'm very pleased. And I, I just, you know, there's something, I love playing guitars that are older than me. Yeah. There's not you many. Know. And there's not a lot of them left. <laughs> if, you can, uh, if you can get that switch to stay in the center position, uh, you can just use the volume knobs to actually as tone knobs, if you can get the middle position to stick, you know, to have both pickups on at once. Oh, yeah. How would you, how would that be a tone though? Well, because when you turn down the bridge, you're going to get more bassy you know, sound. More, yeah. And then when you turn down the, oh, yeah. You, all the in betweens is your tone. It's basically the pickups are uh, not necessarily choking each other, but it's kind of a choke. Yeah. Um, so you're you're actually getting some different values coming out of the yeah. as far as sound. So. Well, the other thought I had was just to put controls on, <laughs> save the harness as it exists. Yeah, uh, but but put a, a new you know something that makes more sense. A whole new thing. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. But um, but that that was that was my that was my week this. Week this this week this week. week. That was your week this week. That was my week this week. Uh, Chris, how about awesome. yourself? Uh, let's see. I just, well, just, just getting ready for this episode. I did a little bit digging around and, um, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it was, uh, I had to get, uh, something that came out in November with, by, um, Free the Tone. Uh, it's called a, um, what is it called? <laughs> um, Crunchy Chime. 
Ooh. <laughs> that's like completely, those sounds, words are like. Sounds delicious. <laughs> that's, that's what I, that's my favorite flavor, you know, is crunchy <laughs> chime. And um, I just, I couldn't resist that. So that, that arrived in the mail here just recently. And also I have a bunch of Ebos and the one that I'm missing is the black one with the white logo. Hmm. And um, that's that's yeah. on the way. Actually, it hasn't shown up yet. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm just waiting for that one because I just you know I'm looking at these ebos that I haven't said you know I'm just missing that one. And hmm. me being a collector, it's like you just got to have the whole collection. Now, hmm. for we may have some listeners that don't know what an ebo is. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, to the best of my knowledge, because these things are like wrapped in plastic. Um, you know, it's just like this this. What do you call it? it? Looks like it looks like a pickup that you hold over the pickup. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of bent in this um, kind of a V shape, but it's basically a string driver, uh, which I think it's basically I, my best guess. And I've never opened one up and never done the surgery, and I don't know anyone who has. But I think it's some type of magnetic spinning device or something on a motor or something. I don't know, but it basically just causes like a it's like a violin bow, electric mm-hmm. electric bow, e bow, yeah. yes. And um, Free the Tone doesn't come up too often on the show, but, um, I mean, they make some pretty outstanding stuff. Can you, can you just g- give any information on Free the Tone for us? Oh, yeah. I was actually going to get into that a little bit later, but um, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy there. But um, he's, he's like a genius. You know, he's, just, he's one of these guys who over-engineers everything. He designs everything as if it was like a high-end um, a high-end. Um, you know, audio piece, like a Neve console or something like that. So even right. if it's just a, just a pedal, it's, it's like completely over-engineered um, and just incredibly well-built. Um, uh, let's see, Yukihiro Hayashi yeah. is his name. And, um, but yeah, he just has been making some great stuff. And um, it's, it's kind of, you know, very, it's, in the pedal world, it's very sensible looking. You know, it doesn't have any outrageous graphics or anything like that. Um, kind of comes in these nice muted colors. Um, but they are just really well built. They just, they sound good throughout the entire range. Um, they're just not really copying anybody. You know, it's really his own design. And uh, just, he does just incredible work. It, and it's, it's just, it's really top notch. And it's, yeah, it's not cheap, but it's not super expensive either. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me. Um, I, I kind of lump them in the class with like, um, like Origin Effects, or um, or even like um, uh, Source Audio. Just that oh, kind yeah. of like. It's almost like hi-fi uh, gear. Very much so. Yeah. Although it's still, you know, you think hi-fi, you think cold sterile, but it's extremely musical. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like again, like 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 I say, like a Neve console. Hi-fi you know, you in the sense of. Um, the engineering and build that went that goes into it exactly yeah yeah cool well that sounds super fun jared how about yourself um i was in ohio a few weeks ago and i brought back a bunch of guitars um and i'm just slowly getting this room where i may have touched on this before but just slowly getting this room organized and mm-hmm. I think I'm going to prioritize fitting all my guitars in here over everything else in existence. Yeah. Because I, I think this is the last place I'm going to be for a long, 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 long time. So it's yeah. kind of like the guitars have to stake the claim to the land in this room. 
What have so, you have you considered like uh, getting some slat board, some racks, or and something. and uh, you know doing one wall up like a, d- so you can hang them there. That that house is not those walls are not built for that. It's it's they're like not. loads of windows, it, this big tall a frame stuff. He'd yeah, be better off getting some like that. swing tree racks or something like that. Okay. Yeah, something like that. So uh, I'm I'm working it out. I think yeah. I need to bring another piece of furniture up here. But, but right now, Jared is—he was working on the wet bar in that room, and he's—he's he's actually um, under the sink, and I think he's a little bit stuck. He might be there for the rest of the thing. That's why it sounds like that. Um, yeah, he was trying to fix the leak. <laughs> anyway. Microphone. Yeah. Um. So cool. Well. Um. So Chris and I were in, in the crew was talking a little bit earlier, um, because. Don't ask me, Tony. Why, Todd? Well, because it's my turn to say what's going on this week. Um, and I got a lovely box of goodies from. Chocolates? No, uh, it, it was from Joe Halliday oh. over at uh, Hello Sailor. Hello Sailor. Yeah, and he <laughs> sent me a customized, very as as only he can do, extremely customized one-off awesomeness um of a fuzz face fuzz face which i have never played i've never been interested i've never touched them and i will claim some some ignorance uh factor to that they just haven't excited me for any reason and he sent me so he sent me this one's black and gold in the whole nine yards and he did a whole bunch of crazy stuff to the insides and there's insane nos stuff he, he gave me a list of all the things that he did and uh i plugged it in and i was like hello dolly okay uh, now you're, i gotta learn everything about you're really <laughs> you're a regular yeah. Jimi hendrix oh man well the, one of the reasons that I that I hadn't gravitated towards those is be, is frankly be, because that because I've always associated them with maybe um, a specific sort of '60s kind of fuzz and like you know voodoo child and all that. I'm like that's not what I do, so I don't want that. And it's old. It hasn't it hasn't it hasn't caught up with us and all kinds of nonsense. Right? I'm telling you. Oh man, that sounded good on that Marshall. My goodness, mm-hmm. and especially with the new pickup, the new Brandon Wilm pickup that's uh, specially made for for me. And he's got—I think he's going to make a bunch more of them. I was blown away, and I was like, okay, because Joe made it. I kind of—I kind of know what's in it, and I kind of—you know. So I—I want to find out. I, I dove into like starting to learn all about that, and uh, so I'm. I'm going to uh, try to get a couple and and just kind of c- compare them and stuff. And I thought, you know, and I was as I was trying to l- learn more about it, I determined, well, from a sound standpoint as well, not just like the history of them, um, that if I, you know, did that, and maybe even based on a couple of the other pedals, maybe start doing a, a little bit of like listen to, you know, doing yeah. some some demoy stuff. Um, for for our YouTube channel, which really right now just houses each of our podcasts every week. Uh, you, by the way, you can listen to our show on YouTube. You c- you can only see our dumb faces statically, 
but uh, we are there. Um, so anyways, that was really fun. And and also, I've got one from Jonathan Drusick of 12th Hour Devices. That's right. He built me one for that. And That's right. So even, I haven't had a chance to compare the two, but I'm very excited about this whole new world of sound that's been uh, kind of opened up for me now that I've um, been using that uh, the Marshall instead of the Supro. Um, yeah. I still play the Supro, but um, you know I'm, I'm doing this world right now. So hundred bucks cash money, I'll take it off your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's get on with the stuff that we are uh, really excited to talk about. So, ladies and gentlemen, here comes Japanese Pedals 101. Where this r- was rooted. Um, you know, I did mention uh, sort of, I was like, hey, I got this Maxon thing and I started digging into all kinds of stuff. When I started playing, um, I mean, that that's kind of all there was, was like Japanese pedals, it seemed like. Um, at least the ones that uh, people around me had and, and what, that, that I had access to. And we're talking about um, Boss, we're talking about Ibanez and Maxon and... Um, some Yamaha stuff. What I found to be interesting, slightly biased because I do, as I mentioned, have a, a, a fascination with with feudal Japan and Japanese culture, and and um, you know, it's just super interesting to me. I started being rather amazed by the variance of costs of some of these things, and what was driving some of those things and then learning more about um, not just the huge makers, but all these other random like things that are made that don't have a lot of visibility to. Um, So I thought this is something that, that people are very obsessed with or else they wouldn't be paying several hundred dollars for a 50 year old flanger. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't make sense. So why, you know? It's, and and I was like, let's talk about the why. Let's understand the why. And that's when uh, Chris Gill uh, happened upon us. And so I thought, here we go, match made in heaven. Let's get it on. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna have him on to talk about a bunch more of this, probably about like fuzz faces and stuff because that's super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. But how, how self serving so, of you? Well, no, I'm gonna open this. I'm gonna open this up uh, because. Um, if you have something that you're like, I want to know the the big story on X, send it to us. We'll see what cool. we can do, okay? Like John Doe okay. and Eugene? No, but I will be seeing them very soon. Very excited. <laughs> uh, Chris. Yes. I open the floor to you. Cool. Well, yeah, Japanese pedals. Where do you begin? 101. I mean, I think for me it was, you know, I, I'm a kid of the 70s, and I couldn't afford a lot of stuff. You know, I had a brother who I'd have build me stuff from kits, you know, and like Heath kit and Paya and stuff like that. Um, and, but I always was fascinated with a lot of these things, um, these, you know, these pedals. And I actually remember very well, like one of the first pedals I was going to buy and I actually sent away the money to PMI in New Jersey, sent away my, my check, you know, mm-hmm. in the mail back before PayPal. <laughs> you know, you had to send a check and put a stamp on an envelope and send it off into the, the wild blue yonder and um, and wait, you know, about a month or two before that thing you ordered showed up. And I ordered an Octavia, original Octavia. I really wanted it. I, mm. I loved the idea of this octave up effect. It's like, how cool could that be? You know, wow, higher, you know, 
more range out of my guitar. Uh, it didn't show up because it had been discontinued. So that's really sucked. But um, my pedal obsession really began, I'd say, you know, about 1979, 1980, I got a, a Boss CE2 chorus. Um, and what I loved about that was just how robust the damn thing was. It was just like built like a tank. You could not destroy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had friends who had electroharmonic stuff. And, you know, I, I love that stuff now. But back in the day, I just thought it was cheap junk because it was in that, you know, those thin bent steel boxes that you stepped on it too hard and it got smashed and it just, you know, you had to really pamper them, you know, and, um, just, I I just thought the quality was there and that kind of started off down this whole journey. But, um, I guess, you know, to kind of bring it out of my perspective is just, I think one thing about the Japanese is that they pushed the envelope rather early on. I mean, we know the whole history in the sixties with, you know, the, the fuzz box, um, you know, the maestro, fuzz box and um, the fc1 you know uh we also had what the um the garmin tremolo you know before that which we can't even call a stomp box it was just this device that you plug between your guitar and your amp and had an on off switch that you had to operate manually but um there wasn't much out there and it was all pretty primitive and i think one of the the first you know and i can't say the first in in like in that type of hyperbole necessarily i'm sure there might have been other stuff before it but the one pedal that stood out to me was the um the univibe here was something advanced and really different. You know, it just wasn't a distortion. It wasn't a, a wah filter or something like that. It was just, this was something that really did something crazy with the sound. Um, and of course, that came from Japan. And I just I kind of always looked at them. You know, then later on, we had, you know, the boss chorus. You know, I got the CE2, which is the second chorus, but there was the CE1 before that. And I actually played in a punk band in 1980 and had one. And it was like, wow, you know, this one's actually even better than this, this little box I've got here. But it's huge, you know. And I've got to plug it into the wall, you know, or whatever. And it was just like, uh, you know, I just, um, you know, I'm going to stick with this little guy here. But um, that began an obsession. But um, I think it's fascinating because it's, you know, I ended up working for Roland in the mid 80s and learned a lot about the history of the company then. And of course, you know, working at Roland, you get to meet yeah, at the time when he was still alive, Mr. Ikotaro Kakahashi, um, the genius behind that. And of course, he had a company that was before that called Ace Tone. And, mm. you know, Ace Tone, of course, invented the, the drum machine, basically. Um, and they also had a bunch of really cool pedals, um, including some fuzz pedals. Um, there was also a fuzz wah. And I think that was one thing that was interesting is that I don't, again, I don't know whether he was the first or not, but he was among the first to do these combined effects Mm. in one box. Um, you know, we saw that later in Roland with the double beat, which was the wah fuzz. We saw that with the, um, the jet phaser, which was fuzz and phase shifter. Um, so I just saw that Mr. Kakahashi was very visionary with this type of thing. So that was just kind of, you know, a the big beginning of my fascination. Um, of course, there's been other companies that came up. I mean, obviously, Maxon came up in the 70s as well, and, you know, Boss's Wake. Um, you know, the Tube Screamer changed everything, but everybody figured out the Tube Screamer after the good ones, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> were out of production, basically. Uh, it was kind of an interesting thing. But um, And, and just, just before you go any further, you mentioned the Tube Screamer. I, I'm sure you're going to mention, I'm sure Ibanez is going to come up right after that. Um, just for clarity, which came first, the the uh, chicken or the egg, um, Maxon, Ibanez? Oh, it had to be Maxon. I mean, Ibanez was basically, you know, I, Ibanez, you know, it's funny because I just delved 
did a deep dive into their history, but I had to turn into a 3,000 word story for Guitar World here because we don't have room sure. to write long stories anymore. But uh, that was something that came up. And I think it was basically was Max on first and then Ibanez just, you know, branded. It's kind of like also a lot of the Ibanez guitars were actually made at Fujigen. Fujigen yeah. Gaki. Um, you we know, referenced shared- it like uh, GMC and Chevy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So the, these companies are kind of intertwined, you know, and kind of incestuous and, and, and they, you know, but I, yeah, Maxon, I, I'm sure was, you know, basically the electronics arm of things because really Ibanez was really more at the time was more involved with building guitars. Mm-hmm. So, but they lo- were looking to expand and grow at the time. And that's, was, you know, a very smart thing they did. I mean, that was just, I mean, the Japanese companies at the time were just very much, you know, I mean, sadly, American companies were floundering under this kind of corporate bloat, you know, and the Japanese were coming along and just, you know, moving very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just they were able to turn things around and they were growing, you know, by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, I guess, the interesting thing is, of course, we had that kind of come to a head in the 80s. And then I think the Japanese companies kind of got, I, I can't say Roland so much because Roland really thrived during the 80s since sales in particular. And they, they put out a lot of really good pedals during the 80s. But um, in general, though, we saw... You know, especially the you know the Ibanez pedals kind of they went to these kind of really bad designs. You know, they changed the, the overall design. And it wasn't quite as frequently as robust yeah, and frequently, and it kind of really confused people. And then we had a lot of other weird companies that kind of came out. Some of the stuff was actually pretty good under, but you had like Vestifier, um, aka Vestax, which you know is basically known for for DJ gear, you know, and stereo equipment in Japan. Uh, you had Pearl, you know, doing stuff. That's right. yeah. um, so it, it was kind of just a crazy dark era. And then, of course, we get into the 90s. And that's, I think, where the whole, you know, the boutique thing started to really explode in the United States. But it was happening in Japan, too, at the same time. And that's where I think a lot of the really interesting stuff just started to come up. And um, you had a lot of these guys who, you know, cut their teeth at these companies, um, you know, at your Rollins and your Korgs and your Ivanis slash Maxon and whatever. And Yamaha. You know, and Yamaha, exactly, and Yamaha, and they all branched. Not all of them, but you know, a lot of these guys came from there. A lot of them just came up on their own, uh, branched off, and started doing their own thing. You know, they had their own idea and a way to do it better. Well, let, let me ask you really quick. I mean, you know, Boss really never changed their their form ever, right? I, I don't mean, think they needed to. I don't think they wanted to. I don't think they really needed to. I mean, it, it's it's kind of like it's like why? Right. Gonna, how are you how are you going to modify the wheel? You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But ironically, every single one of their competitors, it's not that they said, hey, here's a new sound. They kept, they just were changing the boxes. I mean, Maxon went through, I don't know what, five, at least, at least, yeah, at least. five um, yeah. major, major form designs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, following suit, everybody else was doing that too. Um, the, except for boss, <laughs> except for boss. I mean, you know, um, and, uh, what it's just, it's weird. And I think at least for me, one of the reasons that I am, that I do gravitate towards some of those old weird pedals is because they are weird. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, Oh, that's, that's really nifty. They just completely did this thing over here and uh, all right that's that's kind of neato um and uh, for some reason now that is somewhat alluring i don't know at the time how i would have felt because um i I didn't have any money to buy pedals so i 
you know. Um, but how did that, you know, you went through that. Can talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I think, you know, f- the boss pedal thing was just, it was like a big revolution for everybody because here's these things that were just rock solid. They were dependable and they weren't that expensive. They were a little expensive, but not outrageously so. Um, and that to me was just like, I mean, you know, and the color scheme, you know, and that was the other thing. It was like when you're on stage, it was, you know, unless you had really dark lights, whatever, it was pretty easy to tell which one was which. And it looked cool. And, and it looked cool. And you could line them up and have all these different colors. And it was just, you know, and of course they came out with that little lunchbox thing, you know, mm-hmm. and you could have a pedal board, you know. And um, so it was it was just a great, you know, cohesive design. Um, you could usually count on the quality. Um, you know, back then we weren't quite as picky as we are now about, you know, if it, hey, it distorts. I mean, I have to say that MXR was doing a great job. You know, that was the other thing. But yeah. the MXR stuff was kind of expensive. That was kind of like, oh, that's, you know... For a lot of us, that was out of our price range. That was kind of the aspirational product, you know, was to get the um, DMXR pedals to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think part of it, too, is that MXR kind of, they came out with new stuff. But, man, when Boss took off, it was just like it was something new every year. You know, right. <laughs> it was kind of like, hey, it's Christmas again, you know, and what Santa brought for us, you know, Santa, Santa Kakahashi, you know. Yeah. and and a lot of... <laughs> You know, stuff that's like, why do we need this? <laughs> yeah, well, like the slow gear pedal. I mean, that's the thing. And again, here we're getting stuff that we didn't even know we needed, but we wanted it, you know. Yeah. And um, I mean, the slow gear, what's, you know, that was like kind of a weird sort of attempt at doing sort of a backward sound, you know. And um, they had a vibrato pedal, you know, which is really cool. I have one of those and it's it's absolutely great. It just sounds trippy, you know, it's, it's yeah. wonderful. I, 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 I imagine that uh, uh, for a lot of maybe more active slash touring slash pro artists that uh, were still using pedals and maybe not yet getting into like rack gear yet, um, that being able, like it'd be the difference between saying, I can get these pretty much anywhere and I know everyone is going to sound exactly the same. If I break it, I put a new one on, I won't know the difference. As opposed to some of the um, other options out there that could very well have quite a few variables in them, you know, uh, especially like the old uh, electroharmonic stuff. Uh, I was going to say that that's electroharmonics was just like, my gosh, what week is it? You know, <laughs> because it's like they just, you know, I, I can remember that. I can remember some of my friends would have stuff and like one guy had a, a, you know, electric mistress and another guy had another electric mistress and they didn't sound the same. You know, and like one guy sounded better than the other. And it's like, yeah, you know, and you just, you didn't have the time to go down to whatever store and, you know, try out a bunch of different ones or, you know, a lot of times they were in the same shipment. So they all sounded pretty close, but mm-hmm. um, you didn't have the, you know, people with the patience to let you go through a bunch of pals. Like you, you want electric mistress, they slap it up and here, take it, you know, give mm-hmm. us your money and get out of here. But, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, the thing was very consistent. I mean, that's, I think that was the thing. You kind of got this MXR quality you know, and this robustness, but it wasn't quite as expensive as that stuff. And again, they had a lot more interesting stuff. You know, MXR stuff's great, you know, but it was kind of sober, you know, it was kind yes, of very, that's you a know, great way to put it. Yeah. I, uh, boring is a, is a harsh way to put it, but. Yeah, it wasn't really boring because it's good. It was just, it was very, you know, it's, you know functional. potatoes, functional. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so since we're, while we're in the way back, um, for someone that doesn't maybe that only knows the the surface level of that scene you know we talked about some of the real major players 
were there minor players that that still really haven't gotten their due or are highly collectible in your opinion? As far as Japanese pedals from back yeah, then? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. There's a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, some of it was stuff that didn't really make it over here. But now you can find, um, again, like some of those older Maxon pedals, for example. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, you know, you didn't really see those um, over here. Even a lot of the Ibanez pedals, you didn't really see for a long time. Um, they they might have been here in dribs and drabs and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I mean, like everybody knows, you know, pretty much about the, like the flying pan or something like that, which they reissued here a few years ago, probably about 10 years ago now, I guess. But, um, but you know, some of those, those big format pedals, um, those weren't so common around here at the time. Um, you know, they, they were probably like the, the bigger cities, you know, like LA and in New York and that. And, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, kind of out in the sticks, you know, you weren't kind of finding much in the way of Ibanez stuff. Um, you know, back in like the mid, you know, early 70s, not early, but mid 70s, um, get later in the 70s, that stuff started to show up a little bit more often. But mm-hmm. um, uh, well, I'm trying to think what else. Well, while, um, while you're thinking, um, maybe I can ask another question that maybe prompts some of this. Uh, at the same time, you've got a lot like it seems like the Japanese didn't really kind of target the the entire like fuzz industry or the the fuzz world to the degree that like you had like color sound and like all the different tone betters and all, a lot of the British stuff. Right. right so right. you had all the British stuff happening, uh, Dallas Arbiter and all that business. They did initially, actually. That's the thing is like, um, like you look at Ace Tone, for example, they had three different, you know, they, they kind of progressed through them. Of course, it was like one replaced the other because you had the Fuzzmaster 1 followed by the Fuzzmaster 2, followed shortly thereafter by the Fuzzmaster 3, you know. Yeah. And then that kind of morphed into, you know, after Mr. Kakahashi got out of Ace Tone and started up rolling, you know, that became the, the Bebaw, essentially. You can kind of see a line in that. In fact, when I first I got my first Ace Tone, um, FM2, probably sometime in the mid-90s, I just could see a direct line between that and the Bebaw. You know, you just you see the same type of switches, foot switches on it, and some of the same components and everything, and the construction is rather similar. It's better on the Roland box, but, you know, it's, it's you know, very much the controls on the front and everything. It's this wedge shape with the controls on the front, you know, and the same type of knobs and everything. Right, right. So there, there was kind of that progression. But, yeah, yeah I think it kind of, you know... Obviously, as we got out of the 60s, things moved away from fuzz, and the interest became more of towards overdrive and distortion. Um, you well, know, and actually, was- can I can I talk to you about the the form again, really quick? Because sure. there's it's it's um it's like when you're looking at at rock sediment or something, right? And you know, you're like, hey, here's this is where the Grand Canyon is, and all of a sudden, there's like this huge split, and then you know, that's like, why are these striations in a completely right. different place? So before, if we think about where that striation is, you like the the, the color sounds or, or, and 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 all of the all of the huge format, the long fuzz pedals that everybody's kind of go, kind of going back to now, um, or the the wedge shapes, um, right? You know, they were doing these big crazy ones, and then here comes here comes like Boss and MXR with like the little tiny guys. Yeah, yeah. Do do you have any information on like uh, anything about that as far as like what drove any of that? Uh, you know, I think that MXR probably drove that, and I, I I don't know. You know, I haven't talked with the guys about that particular subject, but I imagine it was just driven by you know they used like the bud box, and it was just something that was convenient. You know, as much as anything, like hey, we can make this thing; it's going to fit in here. I don't know if there was this. 
innate desire to make it that much smaller. Um, I mean, back then it used to be like, you know, bigger is better and better value and, you know, that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I think there was a certain group of players out there that didn't want their stage all cluttered with this, you know, metropolis in front of them. Right, right. You know, so I think that was part of it too. But, um, I, you know, as far as I can recall, I think, you know, the MXR was among the first to go with this kind of this compact format, very, very simplified. Uh, of course, a lot of these big things only had like one knob on yeah. them. You know, some of them would be a big, huge wedge. And again, like be like one knob on it, you yeah. know? So, and then, and then there's all this space inside. That was the other thing. It was just like, why? Right. <laughs> it improves the tone considerably. <laughs> yeah. The resonance. It's got its own <laughs> reverb chamber in it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for letting me butt in there really quick. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think one of the interesting things that, I know I am. Uh, I'm sitting here ready to take notes, and I, you know, I'm like, okay, you go check up on Ace Tone, and, um, you know, when when we're talking about some of those, were there any any brands that were sort of like, you know, on the verge or or eking out that that maybe we haven't really heard of or haven't gotten their due back then. Um, you know, there's, there's some things like you'll, you'll see, and some of them rightfully didn't do so well. Cause they were kind of like, there was a lot of hit and miss with them, but like Shanae, for example, right. you know, it's, it's a brand that has some good stuff and has some stuff that's, you know, yeah, it's all right. You know, and that, for, for I, anybody I, that isn't familiar, that's Shin dash E. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I, I, I'm not one to really dog on too many pedals because somebody out there can do something great with it, yeah. you know? I mean, it's there, there. There's a use for everything. I, I find it's there's no such thing as a useless pedal. I mean, I was just thinking this afternoon out walking the dog about, oh uh, gosh, I think it was an Aryan pedal or something like that that um, one of these you know Swedish death metal bands <laughs> used. It's like, <laughs> you know, it was like a twenty five dollar pedal back in the day, you know, and they just took this. It was like this plastic pedal that you know a metal you know metal music pedal right um, and turned every knob all the way up on it you know to make this screeching you know <laughs> overdrive distortion madness you know and recorded an album with it um, and so hey God bless them man they figured out a use for that thing you know <laughs> well, well speaking of useless pedals one of my favorite useless pedals is also by Shanae. it's the companion are you familiar with that one? Oh yeah 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 so it is a it's a combination you can use it as a volume pedal, wah pedal, a surf sound pedal, yep. the sound of the surf, and most importantly, the siren. Yep. <laughs> Got to have the siren, man. Yeah. How else are you going to play your sweet covers? That's, you know, well, that's like- true. That's I never <laughs> thought about that. But yeah, there's there's that in... Uh, and uh, yeah, they're, 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 I guess that would be perfect for it. Maybe they yeah. even use that particular pedal. Who knows? I, I, you know, I somehow think they might have. Actually, I'm not 100 percent certain, but they, they may very well have. Who knows? Uh, I need to make a correction on myself. Um, I've it is shin. It is uh, dash e i e i. I forgot E-I. the i on that. Yeah. Yeah. Apologies. Also, Tony. Now that companion pedal with the siren you could totally use that if you play the theme song to bad boys yes <laughs> or so hawaii. at least there's one good known use for that pedal yeah also hawaii 50 there you go yeah <laughs> Uh, so uh so it's not a useless pedal after all no <laughs> two <No>. uses 
two uses. But uh, trying to think of other brands, I mean, I, I should have made a list of. I was I was thinking more now than than, than old, and I, I know in the back of my brain there's a lot more stuff out there. But um, that's just right off the top of my head. I mean, there there were a lot of brands out there. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't just all you know the, the big Japanese corporations, and some of these companies were actually big Japanese corporations in Japan. You know, they just didn't make as much of an impact over here in the states. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and, you know, that's how it, you can stumble on those every once in a while. You'd be like, what is this? You know, if you're looking in the right places, so get out there and look everybody. Especially garage sales with old folks. Cause a lot of guys, again, surf bands, you know, Hey, it had the surf sound on it, you know? So, Hey, wow, we can do, you know, sloop John B or whatever. <laughs> Start right. off with a nice, you know, wash of white noise. <laughs> uh, Let's find out. Um, let, so, so take us, get us into the future a little bit. Um, you started to dip into the '90s a little bit. What, what was happening then? Uh, you know, yeah, '90s. You start to get the breakout. You know, you start to get a lot of these 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 smaller guys coming to the fore. Um, and I, for me, like the company that kind of opened my eyes up was um, Bright Sound International, and they made this pedal called um, the Big Sonic Expandora. And that was a it was a tuna can. It was basically like a tiny fuzz face. Yeah. And oh. it was like a little silver, you know, aluminum can, you know, round shape. It looked like a tuna can, basically, oh. with three knobs and a line along the front. The big sonic pedal, uh, just it, it was fun, it was cool. Um actually the guy who distributed here in the US was a guy who was down in um Chattanooga, a guy named Bruce Barr, unfortunately, who ended up in an automobile accident and getting killed very sadly here around about 20 years ago. Hmm. Um, and he actually, um, handed over the reins basically to Godlike, um, who distributed it. And of course, Godlike brought in a bunch of really cool Japanese stuff. You know, at the time they, they scouted out a lot of these smaller companies and some of the, even the bigger stuff, you know, Gaiatone, 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 um, and that sort of thing. But, um, one of my favorite stories about that pedal, um, is the instructions. I'll have to send you guys a picture because I, I dug up my box and got the instructions out and they had this cartoon, you know, and it was kind of like, they, were, they had two dip switches inside and you have like, you know, four different possible settings with two dip switches, right? And so they show, okay, here's like an overdrive, here's a distortion, here's fuzz. And then both down is like, no, you know, like exclamation <laughs> point, five exclamation points, frowny face, you know, clouds, thunder, you know, and everything like that. And I, I saw that. And of course, my first thing is like, oh, let me try That's that. That's the one I you want. <laughs> and of course you do that. And it's the most outrageously overdriven to the point where the sound just spits and cuts, you know, and it's unpredictable and it's just, it's super fuzzy. And um, I wrote in my review of it for Guitar World, I called it the forbidden setting. <laughs> and that stuck, you know, and um, that's, um, you know, the, now it's officially known as the forbidden setting. Um, <laughs> but it was just like, um, yeah, I, it just, I saw that. In fact, I think I talked it over with Bruce before I turned into, you know, told him about the review and it's just like, oh yeah, I tried it at the, you know, with the forbidden setting. It's like, what's that? And he's like, well, both the both offsetting, you know, they tell you not to do it. It's like, oh, I love that, you know, and we both agreed that it was a good thing to go with it. Um, now, but, um, while you're talking about the Expandora, now that changed hands, I think you, at least twice, but maybe three times. Is that correct? You know, I don't know. I, I saw just recently that somebody's doing it again here in the United States. Uh -huh. um, I know that there was three different iterations of that pedal, um, and I couldn't figure out the whole Bright Sound International story. I remember I went over to Japan, I think it was in 96, my very first time I went to Tokyo, actually, which is great. And I 
met up with those guys because I knew them, you know, through through Bruce. Mm-hmm. And um, they took me around Tokyo, and I wouldn't have back then wouldn't have gotten around there. Were, there was no you know smartphones and Google Maps and any of that stuff because mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to buy a Greco Les Paul, and they said oh, we know where to go, you know. And they they took me out to a bunch of shops out there in Shibuya and Shinjuku and all around that area where there's a billion guitar shops. Um, but um, and of course you know, they. they they gave me another pedal and everything. And, um, I was there with Mr. Big. So I gave Paul Gilbert one and I gave Billy Sheehan one, uh, through them, you know, courtesy of them. But, um, but I remember it was like these two guys, you know, and I wish I could remember their names now, but, um, I don't remember the company being much more than the two of them, mm-hmm. you know, so it was very much a boutique type of operation. And this was pre Big Sonic. That was Big Sonic. That was <clears throat> Bright, <clears throat> excuse me, Bright Sound International. Um, so that, you know, they did produce, I don't know why they called it the Big Sonic when the company was Bright Sound, but I guess it was just, you know, they had the name of the company and this was right. the pedal name, you know, and I don't even know if Big Sonic was even a company because they didn't have any other products that I knew of. Um, like I said, there was two different iterations. They finally put the dip switches outside of the pedal uh, because a bunch of people were complaining about wanting to get in there. And it's just, it's typical. I mean, that's one thing I love about Japanese pedals is, man, you got to look under the hood. Yeah. Because there's hidden wonderful secrets in a lot of these things. And I just discovered in one of my pedals today, there was like a couple controls I never even knew, like full on knobs. You know, because I I, I never bothered, you know, because it doesn't run on batteries or anything like that. So I've always used a power supply and I never had a reason to look inside, you know. And today I just thought, ah, I'm going to take a look inside this thing. Like, what do you know? Mm. There's like a couple like preset volume knobs in here, you know? Cool. Amazing. Uh, But. Well, and that, you just touched on something that is part of, you know, part of the excitement whenever you go like, ah, I'm into something new. I've got a new rabbit hole to, to you know, explore. Um, knowing the ins and outs and the whys of those purchases, which we'll get into, is a, a big thing. You know, speaking of the uh, the Bixonic and the Xpandora, um, you know, you're going to see big changes of, uh, you know, big variances in price. And just because it's expensive doesn't mean it's, you know, a, what you think it might. So it, it's yeah. just, we'll, we'll get into that later. I'm sorry, true, but, true, but true. You, you just touched on a very important factor. I just don't want people to start clicking, <laughs> going like, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. Wait till oh, the yeah, show's yeah. over. <laughs> I mean, the great thing about the, uh, the Expandora, you know, of course, a lot of people know about Billy Gibbons using it. And he had, um, back in on ZZ Top's tour that year, um, he had six of them. You know, <laughs> he had this little African kind of, like, it was like a, I don't even know what it was, like a stuffed armadillo kind of thing. Like it was kind of this armadillo head god sculpture thing with like six of these things lined up. And of course it wasn't plugged in, but you know, Billy always has his mythology. So of course, yeah, that's the secret of my sound. I go through six of these, you know. And, <laughs> um, I remember um, this is the greatest thing of that experience because I was helping Bruce out uh, was Super Bowl Sunday and ZZ Top played the Super Bowl that year. Wow. And I was on the phone with Billy, you know, before he's going to go play the Super Bowl before millions of people. And we're talking about how to get attention for this dang little pedal, you know, and um, him and Dusty wore them on their guitar straps, you <laughs> no know, kidding. and so it did give this thing exposure, you know, to millions of people. And it was just like, how do we, you know, I, I, 
I sent out these press releases. Nobody picked up on it because it's like, you know, it's Super Bowl, whatever. They all they cared about was like, oh, the Budweiser ad or whatever. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, I tried to promote it. It's like, what the heck was that thing on their, on their, you know, on their guitar straps at Silver Box, you know, and mentioned it was an Expandora pedal, but it was like, it was too geeky, I think, yeah. for the general media. Uh, let, let me ask you, I don't want to spend, uh, you know, too much time on Expandora, but um, sure. that uh, it, uh, coming out roughly um, about the same time as, as Rat was, was hitting, am I, am I about right there? Rat was a bit earlier than that, actually. So, yeah, Rat was actually, I think, quite earlier. I mean, Rat was around in the 80s and everything, but... Um, and then, but uh, So when, when did the, the Expandora came out, you said in... Uh, 90s, probably about 94. Four, oh, maybe? I was thinking it was way earlier. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. I, okay. But that was again the the um the whole boutique thing, you know, yeah, because gotcha. again this was a, a, a you know like I said, I, as far as I know, Bright Sound International was two guys. Got it. You know, and not much more than that. Um, and that was kind of you know that was my entry way into the whole Japanese boutique world. And then from there, it was like, you know, right. leave the bank account behind. You know? So out of the 90s, now we are starting to get into, um, we're starting to see like lots and lots of multi-effects and everything. And how did, how did that kind of uh, affect the, I guess, pedals, the, the standalone pedals? Did it affect the standalone pedals? Uh, can we talk about all of that a little bit? Well, I think what happened, of course, was, you know, we had grunge and um, we had Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. And um, man, there was just so much interest in stomp boxes again. You know, that was, um, the, you know, the, the, the stomp box renaissance basically began, you know, the early 90s. You know, and it was like, again, this whole, you know, we, we went through the whole glam metal thing and the refrigerator racks, you know, yeah. of gear and Bradshaw racks. And yeah, I mean, if you were playing a club, you're, oh, this is my rack system. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're playing a club, you know, and it's and and you man, know, just, I got to share this just really quick because I, sure. I had I had um, <laughs> so embarrassing, but I'm gonna say it anyways. When I first started out, I had a PV, I think it was a special 130, right? And uh, you know, I'm like, well, you read the magazines, you see who's endorsing what back then when that mattered. That's why that's what sold stuff, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. For some reason, I had it in my head as you know, like I, 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 I remember going into a music store and there in the, they had for sale a, uh, a Chandler tube driver racks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course they did. And I bought it, and that's, and I set it on top of my PV one thirty, and that was my rig. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll do one up. I mean, it's it's probably it's actually a great rig, but um, you know, talk about dichotomy. Um, cause in the eighties I played in rockabilly bands in Los Angeles and Hollywood. Uh -huh. And, um, I had a, a wonderful, I still have it. One of the best sounding amps in the world, uh, 57 deluxe Fender. Uh, that was my gigging amp. And I had a Roland SRV 2000, right? Oh. <laughs> reverb. And right. I used to go into the reverb. Um, and later on, I actually had a Sans amp that I used as a boost. So... Wow! Get that a Sans amp with an SRV two thousand into a Tweed yeah. Deluxe. We we so. both were doing <laughs> it's a silly it, things. Hey, it, it was the eighties <laughs> slash nineties. You know, it was it was dark ages, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Anyways, I I cut you off when you were just about to talk about all that stuff. Go ahead. 
Oh, well, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the switch happened. I mean, you know, obviously the refrigerator rack, it's, it's great in the studio, but I, I can remember so many times, like um, perfect example of that was like seeing Lukather and Carlton at NAMM. And uh, Lukather had his big Bradshaw rack and Carlton at that point was just, I think, going, you know, whatever his, probably his Valley Arts guitar into a Dumble or something. Um, and who could you hear all night? Larry. He couldn't hear a single note that Lukather played, mm. you know. But um, I think people loved that simplicity, and it was cheap, you know, and Kurt Cobain brought a lot of that stuff back in the Grunge Axe, Soundgarden, you name it. You know, mm-hmm. there's just this whole appreciation, you know, mud honey, you know, um, you know, the the Super Fuzz Big Muff album. I mean, come on, that's, that's, that's an yeah. ad right there, yeah. you know. So... Um, and you could get that stuff cheap. That's, I mean, that's really when my pedal collecting just went through the roof because, you know, the vintage guitar market had taken off. Amps were getting stupid. Guitars were getting stupid. Pedals were still cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm so glad I stocked up on, you know, and spent all my extra money on pedals back in those days because all that stuff has just gone through the roof. Yeah. You know, but um, I remember we did a, a pedal special at Guitar, when I was at Guitar Player Magazine at the time. And um, actually a bunch of my pedals were in that issue. Um, or stuff that I ended up buying after that was at the local, you know, used music store that we borrowed half of the stuff from. But um, on the, the Japanese side of things, though, um, you know, again, did, they started, you know, all these, these guys started branching off from the big companies or they just had, you know, skill with electronics and they loved music and they wanted to participate. And so they started cranking out these pedals. Um, you know, not so many made it over here. Uh, it's still at that point was a lot of the bigger companies, as I mentioned, Godlike, you know, was one of the, the channels for bringing over some of the lesser known things are the harder to get stuff. Um, you know, I know um, Kevin started bringing over um, the Gaiatone pedals, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, he started bringing over the Maxon brand pedals, you know, and that sort of thing. So that kind of helped build the awareness here in the United States, made stuff more easily available. Um, but still to this day, you know, I mean, fortunately now we've got great mail order and thank God they've worked out the shipping <laughs> over in Japan because there was a nightmare period there for about five months where it was just impossible to get anything shipped over from Japan. But now it's like you can get stuff shipped over pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you've, you know, obviously your visual outlets, your reverbs and stuff like that, there's actually a bunch of Japanese retailers there now that you can get stuff a lot more easily. Um but I still love, you know, and unfortunately, again, they're, they're still shut down to tourists, so you can't go over to Japan. But I think the best thing is just to go over there if you can. Uh, and gosh, now would be the perfect time because the dollar is so much stronger against the yen, um, which is also just, just a good time to even, you know, to buy over here and have it shipped over because uh, that will definitely lessen the cost, you know, quite a bit to the, the favorable exchange rate versus the dollar. But, um, you know, but uh, that's the thing was like, you know, you can find about the, the internet also, you know, made this stuff a lot more available to people. You could see stuff. Of course, we didn't have, again, to translate like Google Translate and that sort of thing. So it's like you'd see these pictures of things. Um, I got a lot of these Japanese guitar magazines and you just see this, these brands over there. I'm like, what the heck is that? You know, and you just, you know, sometimes just to take out a blind dive into to getting things and just sometimes it'd be great. And other times it'd be like, yeah, I kind of <laughs> threw away my money. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, moving into 
I guess, future times, or, or, or we are in the future. Future yeah. time. We are in the future. <laughs> Let's talk about what's going on. Um, and, and, and I have to say, on yeah. behalf of uh, Roland's 50th anniversary, there was their, their motto, we designed the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, one of my, the things, one of the things I'm most excited about is, well, I guess it's the, the Boss uh, Space Echo reissue. Uh, not a true yes. reissue, but I, I am, I am, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out what I can sell to buy one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a, a worthy thing. They, they did a great job with that. I mean, I have, yeah, I, I love tape echoes, but man, are they just, you know, I, I spend about as much time now on my old gear. In fact, I'm just going this weekend to get some stuff repaired, but you know, that's the next in line is my space echoes need to be, you know, brought back up to snuff. They just... Oh, that stuff, time does not do nice things to those, no. you know. If you don't use them, especially too, for, you know. You've got to, all this stuff, and that's the problem with my, my collecting and having 500 pedals, is you got to use this stuff, you know, because you just, man, you'd, uh, you know, I had a pedal I let sit, uh, an Oberheim VCF pedal, and just, I went and plugged it in a couple of weeks ago, and it just, it's not doing anything. It's like, what happened, you know? Oh, no, man. Did I not give you enough TLC? What's going on? <laughs> come back to life. Come back to me. <laughs> Please. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's, there's just been an explosion, you know, in the last 20 years in particular. Um, I, I think in the late 90s in particular, we just saw, saw this flood. Uh, one company in particular that I discovered a few years ago, uh, Honda Soundworks. Mm. Fascinating guy. I don't know what his story is. Um, he's got sort of a website, but it hasn't been updated since 2016. <laughs> um, wow. It was so, he was releasing some 17th anniversary pedals. You know? Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, I guess 17 must have some significance. I guess I don't know what, but uh, <laughs> I can guess. But I I don't know why would you do a 17th anniversary run of you know anniversary pedals? But uh, I I went in this shop called Nico Nico Guitars in Shibuya, and um, they had some. Just they didn't they have a they don't at least at the time they weren't carrying a lot of pedals but what they had was choice you know and I, I saw this gray box with just this you know label maker type of you know clear plastic you know label maker uh, labels mm-hmm. you know on it for like it was like Master One Volume One Volume Two and two two switches you know two LEDs um, and the back of it was about um, wiped off. So you can, you, it said, all I could see was Honda Soundworks and the name of the pedal was actually kind of obscured. Fortunately, I took a picture and they had a little card that said uh, Fujiyama Drive, British. And um, great pedal. You know, it's it's really one of the best Marshalls in a box out there. It's like a two-channel Marshall in a box. And that's the pedal I was referring to earlier about the hidden, <laughs> hidden controls um again i've just was running this thing off of uh, an adapter you know power source um a nine volt power source uh never used a battery in it and i decided to just open it up and look inside and see kind of what's going on um and well and behold there's two extra knobs inside <laughs> and they were kind of like um i guess they were like volume you know settings essentially because it's basically it's like a two-channel amp so the idea was just like okay this you set your rhythm volume and your lead volume yeah, but it was like I, I had no idea that was hiding in there, <laughs> you know. But um, the guy's interesting. I mean, I, I I cannot figure him out. Like I said, he hasn't updated his website in years, but his stuff trickles out there. It's now going for outrageously stupid prices. A lot of this stuff, but he has one pedal 
out there <laughs> I, called the called the spice. He, he, yeah, and, it's not and even it's like, a pedal. <laughs> you can't even. I don't. You can't. Even, you, you have to call it. I, I'd have to call it almost like I don't want to say a hoax, but it's almost like uh, voodoo. Um, I mojo. I don't know what you call it. It's it's basically a you know MX small MXR bud box enclosure. Uh huh. Input it, output jack. You know quarter inch input output jacks. That's it. There's no there's, there's no controls or foot switch. No controls, no switch. Uh, and then I was like, "What the hell is this?" You know, it's like, "What is this?" It has there's no power jack, nothing. You know, I'm like, "What does this do?" And I looked into it, and someone had a picture of the inside, and there's two wires, just like basically two little like you know what one and a quarter inch pieces of wire, jumpering between. The input and the output. It's basically like, oh, it's it's an, you know, oh, I need an extra inch and a quarter out of my my pedal out of my you know, my cords, I guess you know. But I guess the story is is that he got some old Neve console and stripped the wire out of it and cut pieces of it out and stuck it in this box. Weird. Now why? I don't know. Right. What does it do? Who knows? I, I, does it make any difference? I doubt it. I mean because. Basically, whatever you get, you know, going on, it goes it gets tempered by the cable going out of it, you know. So yeah, um, I, and these things sell for like two hundred, two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a lot of different uh, effects. I mean, if you're if you feel like you know throwing uh, throwing some money to the wind, boy, this is a good way to do it. <laughs> I mean, oh, there's I, a lot of different uh, form functions and. You know, you're not going to get the same pedal twice. Yeah, the, the, the Fujiyama drive is just awesome. Like I said, it's, it's, I have so many Marshalls in a box, and it's, if not the best, it's amongst the best. Uh-huh. And at this point in time, it's it's my favorite Marshall in a box. Um, and I've, I've read up since, I think I saw something that, um, I think John Spencer as well as Shuda Bauer, the John Spencer Blues Explosion, have used, you know, the guy's pedals. Um, including the, the Fujiyama drive. And I think I heard something like Judah used it just because, you know, they'd go over to Europe or whatever and rent amps. And this was kind of like their way to, you know, make sure that they sound, they got their sound, you know, on, on any generic rented amp out there. Uh-huh. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't, again, that was kind of a, I saw that on some forum somewhere, but there's not much information about Honda Soundworks out there. It's really, it's kind of the, the mystery. And like I said, it's just like the stuff's out there and a lot of his stuff is um, in just, you know, it's going for eight hundred to a thousand dollars for some of those pedals, especially the Fujiyama drive. Now, I got mine for I'm not going to say what I got it for, but I got it for a heck of a lot less than that. And I'm sure if you go to you know, I don't know how many thousands of shops there are in Japan proper in Tokyo. I think there's about anywhere from five to seven thousand music stores, guitar wow. stores. Yeah, it's outrageous. They're everywhere, and especially as you get out into the outer, um, the outer reaches, you know, or you get up into um, Oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank now on um, the area up there where ESP actually has its factory. Uh, it's kind of there. It's kind of like the joke. It's kind of like the New Jersey of Tokyo, basically. But yeah. Um, but um, up in some of those other areas, you might find stuff where they're they're not you know going for such a heavy price or whatever. But um, there are bargains out there to be found. I mean, that's again, I wish I could go because it's just like you just kind of got to get out there in the trenches and everything. And um, that's really the best way to experience. Not everyone can, obviously. It's expensive and it adds, you know, to whatever. But of course, you get a vacation and great food to go with it. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, but, um, well, the, you know, these Honda ones are, are starting it from, for the most part, you can guarantee you're going to give away at least $400. Yeah, yeah, and that's, uh, and that's I think, on the I think low end of things. I think that's because the guy just is kind of vanished. I mean, I, again, I don't know. I, he must be out there, but um, yeah. I think I saw something. He was at one of the amp shows here a few years ago, like in Nashville or something like that. And um, there was like kind of this really cheap kind of tin can version thing, like held together with rubber bands. Uh, somebody called it the Fujiyama drive, but it doesn't really have. It only has one uh, foot switch, not two. And, it almost looks like uh, one of the uh, like a bellhop bell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's $500. um, That's $500 now. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. A couple years ago, that was like 150. So crazy. Yeah. Uh, Well, so uh, let's talk about a couple of the other major players out there. I think most people, well, I'm not going to say most people because that's just a big fat assumption. One of the (laughs) biggest players who's definitely commanding high dollar stuff is Shin's music. Yeah, Shen's music. That's man. He's the he's the man. Yeah, uh, which I who, mean, uh, whom I was in conversation with to come on the show, and then COVID hit, and uh, then his shop assistant guy was like, "Well, I don't know how we're going to be able to do this," and so I'll have to hit him up again. But yeah. please, please continue. But yeah, he's. I mean, he's the man when it comes to just again talk about the amp and the boxing. He's really perfected that. I mean, he does dumbbells in a box. He does Mesa boogies in a box. He does Marshalls in a box. Um, great overdrive pedals. Of course, most of us over here, uh, there was a limited run a while back, the Shinjuku Drive by MXR, and that was that's the Shin of Shin's music. That was uh-huh. he was behind. He was that was a project he was involved in. Um, that was kind of his dumbbell-ish interpretation. That's one thing a lot of the Japanese guys do. Um, you see quite a bit of like dumbbell emulators out there. Uh, I don't know if that's maybe because probably 99.9% of guitarists out there have never played through a dumbbell. But, um, sure. So, hey, it's, we, I mean, it sounds like a dumbbell. Oh, well, of course it sounds like a dumbbell. Have you heard one? No, but I just got to sound like a dumbbell. <laughs> right. It says it sounds like a dumbbell. But no, I think, um, I mean, over there, they actually do get their hands on this stuff. And it's... Um, you know, the, the, you, if you're going to find a dumbbell, it's going to be in in some vintage shop in Tokyo somewhere or Osaka or wherever, you right. know. But, um, but um, yeah, no, Shin is just, uh, you know, again, great work. And, uh, of course, you know, pedals for the stars, you know, I, it goes on and on with all the, the, the guys who use his stuff. Um, sure. Well, it's again, unassuming, too. I mean, for, for someone who may be not as familiar with some of the stuff, when you look at the sea of incredible silkscreen graphics and um you know uh, just the 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 production level that even even some of the, the the smallest DIY people can put together and then you look at Shin's music and it's and it's literally Tony I can't remember what the what the it's like the embossed label maker the, yeah the, the, the one yeah. the click and then you oh sh- yeah Dymo yeah Dymo yeah you Dymo yeah exactly Dymo yeah label I mean maker. you look into that and I remember the first time I saw one I was like what the hell I haven't seen one of those labels in thirty years <laughs> yeah what why is this pedal six seven hundred dollars because he had to buy them all <laughs> <laughs> all of the Dymo all label, of the Dymo makers. label <laughs> makers. <laughs> Because, you know, if you mix up the letters of Dymo somehow encoded, it spells Mojo. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So that's just one of those weird things. And um, 
you know, there's a handful of builders out there um, that, you know, I think Reeves is verge, verging on that too. You know, Reeves and Analog Man and, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's like uh, those those three are kind of in the same echelon of um, build it. And before you say these are available, they're gone. And yeah. It doesn't matter. what uh, They can charge whatever. Yeah, no, it's in it's one of those things. I mean, it's, 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 again, it's like the Klon Centaur and that sort of thing. You know, it's just, um, if, if you know it and you've used it, you, you want it, you know, yeah. they're, they're good. You know, they're, they're really good. Yeah. Um, I, but it is kind of crazy. I mean, it's like, you know, like the Mark one overdrive is, a, you know, basically a, a Mesa boogie Mark one in a box and it's really cool. I've seen them in like, in, you know, wood or snake skin. I mean, that's, it's so funny. Cause that's like, it's, yeah. you look at that and it's like, it's Purple totally deluxe. And all kinds yeah. of stuff. <laughs> it, it's totally deluxe looking compared to the, 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 the crude Dymo label maker pedals that he has. But, um, but, um, yeah, you can almost get a Mark one for the price of one of those pedals. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, mm. I mean, how far do you want to go? Yeah. There's a handful of others um, that are kind of kicking around there as well. I, I know um, uh, one that I found was a um, Katana sound, and I don't have – I have never played one. I don't know squat about it, but I know that there are the, a bunch of these pedals where this guy basically said, I'm taking the best of the West and the best of the East in Japan and putting them together, and this is what I got. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's one of those things that again, Katana sounds another another guy who's kind of under the radar, to so to speak. Um, that's one of those, you know, his stuff doesn't really make it over here. I guess I imagine it's a he. I don't know who's really behind it. I'm sure it's a he, but um, but um, there are stores, you know, that you can go to in, in Japan. Um, the Ochinomitsu District, for example, is. I mean, that's that's you got to go there. You just you it's. Um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just wall-to-wall guitar shops. It's it's like about two and a half, three blocks of guitar shops. And it's like you have the main drag there in Ochinomitsu. Um, and then you have off on the side streets, there's a bunch of little shops too. Um, there's a store like right when you get out of the, the main, there's a train or subway station and right at the big corner there, it's called the Big Boss Store. It's actually owned by ESP Guitars. ESP owns actually... I think about four or five shops just in that area. Wow. Um, actually upstairs, right in the building right next to that, they have a guitar building school. Um, and I actually went to visit there once. Uh, I, I was invited by ESP over there, and, and it was wonderful. There's like about, you know, 50 young people there, you know, male and female, building guitars. And a lot of these people are going to go to work, you know, for not just ESP, but for the other Japanese guitar companies too. And it was kind of like this apprenticeship program. And um, it was really cool because it, they also really stressed creativity. And it was like, design your own guitar and build it. Hmm. And um, these guys were, you know, one guy was building, you know, some crazy acoustic guitar and the others were doing solid bodies. And another guy was doing jazz guitars. And another guy was doing like a extended range, uh, multi-range, you know, type of 10-string instrument. Um, but um, getting back to the Big Boss store, that's like, First place to go, I recommend if you go to Ocean Meats, is go make a beeline, go to the Big Boss store. Um, there on the ground floor, they have just, you're just overwhelmed with this display. If you go into the right part of the store, because it can get confusing, there's multi floors and everything too. That's, I mean, that's the other thing. It's not just, you know, a little storefront, but a lot of these places have like five, six, you know, eight floors. 
Um, but on the ground floor there at Big Boss, um, off of the main drag, when you go in, um, they just have, it's like a rainbow. It's just all these pedals and it's like tons of stuff you've never seen before, at least if you're a Westerner going over there. Amazing. And it's, and you can plug in and you can play them. You can spend all day and they don't mind. I mean, they, they probably do mind. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, <laughs> to a certain point they don't mind, but, um, but they're, they're very cool there about it. I mean, you know, there's another big shop. There's Ishibashi. Uh, they've got a couple storefronts there. Uh, they're, it depends on the guy you get. Some people are really cool. Other people are kind of like, they're a little standoff. It's almost like a guitar center type of deal at Ishibashi. Right. Um, but the, the, you know, the big boss store is just, um, just really cool. And then of course there's all these other shops you can pop in and look and there's, you know, used stuff, uh, especially if you're looking for used boss or max on stuff over there. Yeah. You can bring stuff over, especially if you want to bring stuff to trade or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. In fact, uh, it's highly encouraged. Mm. Um, that's encouraging because I'm encouraged to go there. (laughs) Say if you're going to do that, um, well, it depends on what you want. Um, of course you have to go to a store that sells used stuff. I don't know if big boss does use stuff. I don't recall them selling anything used. I think they're all pretty much new product. Uh, but there's plenty of stores there in Ochinomitsu, but over in Shinjuku, over in this area, uh, Oh, I'm trying to, I wish I should have written all this stuff down, but um, it's like the Koreatown area of Shinjuku, and it's like right around the corner, there's like a, a overground train. And um, the train and the subway is kind of interchangeable. They all like, you know, you have overground or the underground, and um, you can ride around for cheap. You buy what they call a Suica card, and it's just, you know, it's put some money on there, and it's just, you know, whatever. They figure out your fare. You know, and go. But um, you go basically, you get off the station, you go down and around the corner, and there's this little tiny street, and it's packed with all these great stores. And one of my favorite stores, and this is a big seller on, on Reverb now, called Tisigaki. And Tisigaki is Japan guitar and effect pedal heaven. Um, they are a bunch of guys, again, who came out of a lot of, a lot of them came out of ESP guitar uh, or Ibanez, and they work there now. And um, they're very proud of, you know, they, they love it when a, you know, a foreigner comes over and shows interest in buying a Japanese guitar. You know, I've, I've bought many Japanese guitars from them when I've been over there, and I've bought many stuff through the mail order from them. Um, but they have really gotten into the pedal thing big time now. And um, I just looked at today at their listings, and um, they're not all Japanese pedals. They're mixed they're, it's from all over the world. That's what's so amazing. I saw stuff from France and from Norway and even Russia. Uh, not that you want to buy a Russian pedal right now, but um, it, it's but called TC Gaki. TC Gaki, G A K K I, and um, they had twenty-seven pages of pedals. Wow. It's like twenty-seven times. I don't know what. Probably about. I think there was twenty-four per page or forty per page or something like that. Uh, and just you know, a good probably fifty percent of that stuff's Japanese pedals, wow. and um, they they have great stuff. And it's a great store to go to. They're they're very cool there. Um, so their English isn't the best. It can be a little bit of a challenge, but you just, you just point and you know, whatever, and they, they figure it out. Gotcha. Well, that's very helpful, uh, for anybody that might be considering, uh, doing so. Um, I was, um, I think now that we're all excited about this stuff and we're all probably, uh, going to reverb and eBay and Craigslist yeah. and everything right now. Not that we're doing that at all. Uh, 
currently. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think That's I'll, I'll give you guys a, a quick list hit, and I can't say I've tried all these. Some of these things I have tried, some of these things I do own, and some of these things just look fascinating to me. Uh-huh. Um, I'll, I'll say weed is one thing. Weed, I'd kind of say, is probably the Japanese equivalent of Keely, perhaps, maybe not as, as, as many petals as they put out again weed's another company i don't really know what the hell their deal is it's just weed like spelled like weed weed like w-e-e-d right um and i don't know whether it refers to weed to type you smoke or whatever but it's um or i today it was actually funny because i was again getting ready for this i I, I, I have a a sweet sound uh drive and i had the red one the red sweet sound drive they do like a sweet sound green which is more of an overdrive and maybe less distorted um but I'm wondering if the weed is actually a shortening of tweed because the tone control on it, and this is just, I was just doing a deep dive on my, um, my 57 Deluxe here the other day. Um, it's like the tone control on my 57 Deluxe, huh. where it's not just a tone control, but it also does other stuff, you know, where it increases the gain as well and it interacts with the volume, in, you know, the gain and the volume mm-hmm. controls um, in, in a very interesting way. Um, I, I love that. It's just, it's, a, you know, I, I record with that a lot because it just does one of the, the most beautiful singing, you know, violin, like lead tones. Interesting. Um, and, um, it's those you can, if you shop around, you can get them pretty cheap or you can pay a hell of a lot too much for them. Yeah. You know? A couple of hundred bucks. It looks like. Uh, for, yeah. For, I mean, you should be able to, if you look around, sometimes you can find them for 150, 175. And if you can find someone greedy is going to sell it to you for 350 or 400 so right. uh, that's th- kind of the challenge with a lot of this stuff is the prices can vary quite a bit let's talk about that a little bit i think that'll be a good way to sort of uh send us off into going to explore on our own um what are some of the things that that drive the cost of whether they're new pedals that some of the ones we've been mentioning or m- maybe more importantly you know, if you're going to dip your toe into something that is not totally unfamiliar, but you're like, I've heard of Ibanez and now Maxon, or you're familiar with Maxon, or even an old Boss pedal, what are some of the things to consider when purchasing? Well, first of all, that was a big I guess, breath. <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's I, I'd say if you can, and it's it can be very difficult with a lot of these things because they're, they're they're not always like YouTube examples, and of course it's sometimes frustrating to go through because you may find somebody whose playing style is close to yours, and you may find a guy who's sitting there and strumming lightly, you know, barely clean, you know, like barely up, you know, cowboy chords, you know, yeah. so uh, it it can be really frustrating. Um, but, uh, boy, you know, it, it is, I'd say, you know, TC Gaki is actually a very good place to go because they have probably the best descriptions out there. Uh, they can be very funny. Um, there was one I was looking at today. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Um, yeah, here it is. It's for the Soul Power Instruments Afterglow. <laughs> and it says, um, the design with a glossy woman is also good. <laughs> you know, good, all caps, you know. Because it has it has a, a like you know like a trucker kind of woman you know like a mud flap woman kind of thing on right. it you know on there of this woman in kind of flames or whatever but she's glossy I guess so in the afterglow but um, obviously good 
Obviously good. But, um, <laughs> but some of their descriptions, they, they have more descriptions. A lot of times you go to these things and there's no description. You know, that's what's frustrating. It's like, what is it? You know, sometimes the controls aren't even labeled. It can be very frustrating. What are you getting? Um, you know, part of it, you know, if you can't go and play these things, it's if you can't find a video online, and if it's not too expensive, I say just get your feet wet. You know, you may discover something really cool. If not, flip it, you know. And um, yeah, that's just, just part of the fun. You know, again, it's it shouldn't be too expensive. I mean, I was just looking today at um, there's a company called Goat. Um, and most of their pedals are dirt cheap. They're like 55 bucks. And, um, if you like a Japanese baseball team, you can get, you know, a pedal in the, the, the graphics of your favorite Japanese baseball team <laughs> for, you know, 5,500 yen. Yeah. Hey, great. You know, actually less than that, cause the exchange rate is probably more like about 47, you know, or 46 yen. Um, but, um, they also do something called the generator, which is basically, you know, those old shoals, um, distortion generator. Um, the, whatever he called it, the, the little kind of half rack mount, Scholes, Tom oh, yeah, Scholes yeah, devices, yeah, yeah. you know, the Rockman. Rockman series, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's basically a repro of the Rockman, you know. So if you've, you want a Rockman, you know, you want that kind of that that studio Rockman, you know, not, not the little, you know, the practice amp one, but the, the little kind of rack mountable one. Uh, he does that in a pedal format. Hmm. Uh, and it's about 300 and some bucks. And um, it's kind of, I'm fascinated by that. I think that, you know, it's time to bring back the Rockman sound, you know, <laughs> in all his compressed glory. Yes. <laughs> so I had a question concerning Boss. Um, yeah. A lot of times if you're, and this plays into what we're talking about here, looking for things on reverb or whatever. Most, a lot of times you see Boss pedals and if they're Japanese made, they're twice or more as much as the Taiwanese made ones. Is there really that much difference between the Japanese and the Taiwanese ones? No, it's, you know, there's some difference, but it's like as you get on through time. But, um, you know, a late Japanese and an early Taiwanese, there's not going to be hardly any difference at all. Um, their, their quality control and their standards are pretty damn high over there. Uh, but, you know, that's, uh, that's the thing with the, the pedal thing is, you know... <sighs> And it's frustrating because a lot of times people see a cosmetic change on the box and they think that somehow the insides change too. And that's not always the case. Mm. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it can be like electroharmonics and you can have five bucks that look identical <laughs> and they're all completely different inside. Um, but, you know, in general, that kind of thing, I would, you know, I wouldn't sweat it too much. You know, yeah, maybe if it's an old OD1 you know, there, there might be some differences, you know, and it, if, if you're that particular about it um but you know we can all get so particular about stuff and when you're playing out there for an audience or you're recording um you know if you're in the recording studio half the time you're carving away a bunch of that stuff anyways yeah you know by the time you get to the mixing process and everything you know so well i i think that one of the interesting things about these especially the older pedals is that look a lot of us don't have like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford a vintage guitar. Like, and by vintage, I mean like, sure, you know, pre, pre-70s even. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, that's just not in my wheelhouse. I'll leave I've you I've got three kids. <laughs> Thank you. You should leave me more than one. But um, <laughs> I'm going to take your generosity and double it. <laughs> um, but this is a way to get into something that you you're excited about that you have interest in that is you know slightly unobtainable 
But, you know, that's kind of what got me excited about, like, I was just, I was just looking for a flange and then I stumbled on this thing and I was like, I, I saw a demo of this uh, Maxon flange and I was like, man, that sounds really good. Yeah. And, uh, and then I went looking for one and I said, well, I could get a reissue or I could get this one right over here that's, you know, coming from Japan, never left Japan and is, is early eighties. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. And it was, that was just sort of an extra neato factor. Oh, it, you know, it, it, it well, is. does and it sound different? Probably not, but it's just collectible. And it, and it gave me, it made me feel good about that. That's, that's, that's the key to it. I mean, that's, it's funny. Cause you mentioned that. Cause it's like, I can remember like, um, you know, I bought, gosh, years ago, I bought a, um, an Ibanez FL9, you know, the yellow flanger. And I just, I found it in a, in a Russian pawn shop in Manhattan down in the Lower East Side somewhere for like 20 bucks. And it was just like, yeah, it's $20. Jeez, you know, I'll just take it. I didn't care if it even works. You know, I can use the box for some, a project or something for 20 bucks. You didn't haggle uh, with them? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I probably did haggle with them, but I think it was probably 25 bucks and I got it for 20 or whatever. Oh, I had to go. go somewhere. So, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I got the reissue here a few years ago and put them side by side and did my own little blind taste test. And uh, I really couldn't hear any difference. You know, it, it was, there wasn't that much difference. Now, with other pedals, sure, it does happen from time to time. Um, I can say, ah, man, the Roland Jet Phaser, you know, there's oh, that one that came expensive. out um, just recently. Yeah, they're expensive. I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I'm kicking myself because I didn't buy one back in the day. Because even back when I started collecting pedals, the Jet Phaser still was just expensive. You know, back then it was what probably 175 or 200 dollars or something like that. You mm. know, but uh, it was just like uh, I'll just wait till I find a cheap one. Well, I never found a cheap one. So but, actually, but some of that, some of the reason that that goes into it, we were talking about earlier. The form of it is unique. Yeah, but the sound is too because you know the thing is. Um, I, I I finally splurged, and I actually I now have two. <laughs> I just <laughs> within the last six months after I wrote the book, you know, after I wrote the, the Vidi and Van Halen book, the Eruption book, um, I decided to reward myself. And I said, I'm going to buy that jet phaser, damn it, you know. So I said, screw it, I'm going out there, I'm buying one. You know, mm -hmm. I got one that was kind of beat up or whatever, but um, it, you know, they had that one that came out that was 150 bucks. I wish I could remember the name. Uh, I was like. But um, it was like a reissue, and it's like, hey, it sounds pretty good. But then I found this, again, <laughs> wonders of YouTube, these German guys. They had an original one, and they had the reissue one. And it's just like, man, the original one just sounds so organic and animalistic and just all the stuff that you want, you yeah. know? Yeah. The new one sounds, it kind of gets there, but it just doesn't have that extra crazy, growly, musical, some je ne sais quoi, you know, yeah. about it. Um, so I bought one. And of course, after I bought that a couple of weeks later, what turns up? Um, one I've never seen before. Mm. It's in a black case. In the faceplate, instead of having the orange Roland lettering on it, it's in green. Oh. And the, it doesn't have the switch. There's like an on-off power switch. Like there's like, you know, the level switch. It has like an on-off switch to it. You know, at zero, it turns it on. Um, this didn't have that. And I'm like, mm. what is this? And I bought it, and it sounds identical to the one I bought. And I looked inside the parts, and there's differences, but you know, the the chips are pretty close. You know, they're actually within like a few months of each other from the the, the date code and everything. 
And it's like, I just wonder if this was like an early version and it somehow ended up in a store in New York City. I just, weird, you know? Mm. <laughs> That's part of the fun, you know? That's, you know, I, I put off getting one for years, now I have two. So, <laughs> and they'll probably go up in value and I'm going to hype that black one up so I can like pay for my kid's college education. There you go. <laughs> extra rare. <laughs> extra rare black. <laughs> it's got the extra black dark jet phaser sound. <laughs> Um, well, some of the other things that um, I think when we're talking about driving some of those, driving the cost or, or things, maybe maybe not necessarily what are things that drive a cost, but can you give anybody any um, advice as to maybe what not to do or to watch out for? Well, first of all, um, I hate to... <laughs> to, to dispute an entire country, but there's copies out there and certain countries you want to avoid. Like if you're buying on reverb, um, I would say you're better off for the most part buying stuff from either, you know, us dealers or Japanese dealers. Um, if it comes from somewhere else, there's a chance it may not be what you think you're getting. You know, it may be the box, but the inside may not be, gotcha. you know, and that's, that's one thing too. I mean, definitely look around for pictures of guts. Of, especially if you're looking for an older pedal or even even a recent recent one, see if you can see what the, the insides look like. Mm -hmm. Because you can find people out there who are taking stuff and they're just you know selling it as this and it's something else entirely in, inside. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely that's that's one thing to look out for. Um, you know, especially if the price is too good to be true. You know, if it just seems to be like completely underpriced on the thing. And um, especially there's no pictures of the inside or if you contact the seller and ask for a picture and they don't send it to you, then definitely be leery of right. it. Um, so, and, you know, you've got to familiarize yourself with, um, if you can, with, you know, integrated circuit chip um, date codes are pretty easy to figure out. Just, you know, read some tutorials about that online, figure that out. That's that's one way, you know, figure out what, what you know, the types of chips that were used. Um you know, and some pedals, unfortunately, those chips can be really hard to get. So if something goes bad with it or the pedal actually isn't working when you get it, yeah, you could be really screwed. You know, you yeah. just may have an expensive paperweight. Hmm. Um, so, I, you know, if you can, I mean, if you're buying from a dealer, that's pretty good. But if you're buying from a third party of some sort, I would probably ask them to, you know, if they can just do a quick, you know, audio demo or something with it for you to, you know, to, to prove that it works just to play it safe. I mean, sometimes you can take the risk if you just get a good vibe about the person or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if they have enough of a, like, especially again on reverb, I don't want to keep on pushing reverb. They're not the only place to buy or eBay or whatever, but if they have a long history and, you know, good, good responses, you know, that seem genuine, then, you know, you can feel a little bit more comfortable with it. But well, um, on that note, so we know reverb, we know eBay, um, and we know Craigslist, um, those are the most familiar to most of us. Um, are there any other places that, that you think are worth um, beginning the hunt? Yeah, um, jguitar.com, but that can be, um, it can be pretty tricky, you know. J? Um, J-guitar.com. Okay. It's a um, Japanese guitar, basically. The problem is, is that they don't really have any English translation. Mm. And sometimes the Google Translate works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, a lot of times you'll find somebody and they won't ship to the United States. Mm. Um, so, you know, you could have them ship it to a third party shipper, but that adds to your cost, you know, right. it's cause you have to pay shipping twice basically on that. Well, if nothing uh, else, you can kind of see what, what are some things that, that 
are out there that you can, if it does interest you and it seems uh, to be an impasse, you can look for it elsewhere. Definitely. And I would also recommend, um, again, T.C. Gaki. Boy, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy there. He's actually on um, Sano is the guy's name over there. Um, send him an email. Tell him you're looking for something. Uh-huh. You know, like if you see something on J Guitar and they want to ship it to you, just say, hey, if one of these passes through your shop, can you let me know? Okay. You know, so um, th- those guys are great there. I mean, I, I just, I loved, I can't speak highly enough of TC Gaki. Uh, as I said, I've, I've bought a ton of pedals from them. I bought a, probably about a dozen guitars from them over the years. Wow. Um, you know, I just, just love them to death, you know, and um, just cool, fun stuff, you know, and they just, I like think I said, they they're very- might love you more. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but they're, they're very proud, though. They're, they, like I said, most of these guys all came from the, the Japanese guitar factories that work there. So right. they, they love it when, you know, Westerner shows up and just totally into Japanese guitars and pedals. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, this has been highly informative. And I know that, you know, when you, when you preface this at the beginning, and actually when we were talking about this offline, um, you gave us basically the elevator ride to the what's the tower the the uh, uh nagaki N- nagami tower the from from die hard oh, right right yeah. <laughs> <Crash> <laughs> <and burn. laughs> that was the long elevator right version yep. of like let me tell you about these the uh, you know the pedals I, I know that there is a ton more that we can get into, but you know, this it's one Oh one for a reason. So, um, please don't think that this is the, uh, the, the complete story. Um, yeah, there's so, but I haven't even mentioned half of the, I mean, I, I mentioned maybe, gosh, just again, one one just some of the, 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 you know, the, the top level of the pond here, you know, right. we're, we're getting to the tadpoles, you know, and all that stuff. So it's, uh, we're not getting into the plankton just yet. So, but, so um, this is one Oh one part one. I, I guess so. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. But yeah, there, there's a you know, and not not everything is good out there. But as I said, with any pedal, uh, if you can't find a use for it, someone can, um, you know. And maybe it's up to you to figure out the use for that thing. But yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of good stuff out there. I will say, man, there are a ton of overdrives and distortions and fuzzes coming out of there. And one thing I will say, one guy that stands out to me. Uh, is banana na? It's banana with an extra na right at the end, and he does some kind of crazy, wacky, really off the wall stuff. A lot of pitch shifting and uh, modulation. It, um, it almost looks, and that could be deceiving. And I'm glad that you're getting, um, you know, your sort of, hey, I like this stuff, which I think goes a long way for for vindication because the pedals themselves almost look like. Um, you know, something along the lines that you might see of other Chinese pedals that are like, what is this? This doesn't yeah, look, yeah. This looks like a little kid pedal. What are you doing? It does. And like one, one of them's like really tiny and everything like that, but no, they're really creative. They're really wacky. Yeah. You know, so if you like, if you're into sound design and you're into not making your, into making guitar not sound like a guitar, uh, mm. it's a good place to go. Um, you know, it's a lot of this stuff gets kind of covered by eventide pedals, but you've got to, you know, make a pretty big investment in that. And this stuff you can kind of get in, get your feet wet. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's cool for gigging too. It's not like, oh, I have to figure out which preset was it on my eventide here, uh, you know, before the gig, you just stomp on it and boom, you know, it's, yeah. it's stomp box friendly, gig friendly. I've been accused um, of making my guitar not sound like a guitar, but I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> 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 oh, I, I do it on purpose. I mean, I'm filters and uh, filters, phase shifters, pitch shifters, man. Sure. 
let me at him, you know? Well, man, this has been great. I, I'm so glad that we did this, and I am, you know, my wheels are already spinning on, you know, what are some other 101s that we can dip into your knowledge base and, and all of your expertise that you've gained over, you know, 20-plus years of, of being involved uh, so deeply into, into the gear world and, um, and, um, really digging in and caring about it and liking it and well, no loving it. Let's just say that. (laughs) Obsessed with it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I know that we'll have questions I'm sure sent to us. Um, so yeah, if you, if you know, get excited, get out there, get informed, get some pedals and and whatever else and uh start having fun um but be you know be careful don't don't throw all your wallet at it just yet you know yeah just get get your feet get you know definitely try some stuff out um i mean you can go down the whole deep and some of the stuff is really expensive and a lot of it's worth it you know i mean a lot of the stuff is expensive for a reason you know that's the thing um you know and um again free the tone you know gosh you want to talk about there's a pedal that he has it looks like just uh, it's like green and red leds and you know it, it looks like 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 the mad scientist of eventide um i'm trying to remember what that pedal's called either but um you know that that's another great one uh, expensive but if you're you know it's it costs as much as an eventide pedal so it's it's worth trying that to have something a little bit different than the guy who you know went to guitar center and got an h9 or whatever right um yeah don't be afraid to get your feet wet um yeah i just i would again stress buying either from you know a reputable u.s dealer who distributes it or somebody who's bought one and brought it back here or from japan um some of these other countries can be like i said a little dicey not that it's necessarily bad there's some honest people everywhere there's honest people everywhere but there's also some of these countries there's people who just spend their time you know making something pedal trolls pedal trolls yeah and it's you know it's got it's got the right looking box on the outside but um the inside's not right at all yeah Cool. And that's the thing. Get to know what these things look like. You know, look, look for pictures online. Look for the circuit board. Um, you know, know what the parts should look like. And, um, and go from there, you yeah. know. Sounds good, And if you man. find something cool, let me know too, you know. Excellent. 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 Um, well, this has been a super blast. And um, I know what I'm going to be doing after the show tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, continuing what I've been doing during the show. Uh, so in, in the meantime, though, we are going to hop in the old El Camino and uh, swing over and uh, grab Jared because he's got a fantastic Would You Rather for us. Don't you, Jared? This week's Would You Rather is uh, pretty good. It's pretty good. It's... it's uh, well, first, let me do this. Uh, would you rather? Janis Lee sent us a would you rather. And, uh, and I, I, I like the way you wrote this. This is, this is different. It's kind of like, the you know, it's pretty different than usual. So you're watching TV late at night. Uh-huh. And you fall asleep. Your subconsciousness gives you the opportunity to play guitar in a band on TV. Ooh. But the problem is, you are watching Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> so your options are limited. So would you rather play guitar with the Muppets band? You know, Dr. Teeth, the animal, and the gang, you know. Uh, or 
It, well, I'm sorry. Miss Piggy is also the lead singer of that. So that's <laughs> that must be the bad part of that whole deal. Or would you rather play guitar with Ariel, the Little Mermaid, on vocals? But the backing band is Sebastian and the rest of the Under the Sea Calypso musicians. Hmm. <laughs> okay. That, that's quite a – that's – I applaud uh, John for sending that. This is That's very quite good. a question. I think that actually yeah. happened to him. It sounds like <laughs> it, I, it's happened to all of us. He, he swam down to the bottom of a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I said it's I happened so. to all of us. Yeah. Okay, uh, Tony Balonsky. Well, uh, so if if we do the calypso thing, do I have to play under the water? Yeah, under the sea. Um, no, but under the water. I mean, do I have to be yeah. submerged? Oh, submerged. How would I? How would yeah. I breathe? No, you're. It's it's all imaginative. So you can breathe anyway. <laughs> I can breathe underwater. You you get gills when I'm, you go I, under. I'm trying that. I'm going to try that this week. <laughs> you, you get gills. <laughs> yep. Um. You know. Between those two choices, I mean, I think. Uh, I think. Ariel's a little more attractive than Miss Piggy, um, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the you know I'm, I'm doing the fish thing. I think maybe you should reassess your. <laughs> I think it's you know it depends what you're wow. into. I mean, I, I you know I like fish. Well, why not? Um, so no, I, I think the calypso uh, thing would be a better choice for me. I think I could I could dig that groove a little bit more, especially with a you know uh, a crab that can just hit the hit the hit the yeah the what are they called vibes the money the, vibes. the money note hit the vibes the money note. and yeah. I and and I think it'd be cool to be you know have gills and and be able to breathe underwater. Okay, all right, that'll work. Might be a little treacherous with uh, electric guitar though. True. Mm. Jared? <laughs> Definitely the Muppets. I grew, you know, I remember growing up with the Muppets when I was a kid. And uh, and I don't, I, I've been in a couple of bands where the girl singer couldn't sing very well. So that's something I'm used to. So, uh, yeah. So I'm definitely going to go with the Muppets because I know what to expect. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's see, Chris, how about yourself? Well, my answer is very similar to Jared's. Uh, I've played in bands with with bad singers and with bad drummers, and you know, conversely, I've played in bands with good to great singers and good to great drummers. I always Same go here. Same here. I always go for the band. I I would rather play with a great drummer and a bad singer than a great singer and a bad drummer. Yep. So Animal, man, he's he's right up my alley, man. And you know what? We can turn it into an extended jam. We can do a noise jam. We can do a blues jam. You know, we can rock out or whatever. And we can just drown out the singer. So uh, there you go. That's I right. can dig it. I can dig it. Um, what about you, Todd? Well, I am 100%. I want to I wanna go jam with, with Floyd. Mm. You know, uh, I... On a, on a serious heartfelt note, like the the Muppets, like I can get actually emotional about that. And <laughs> I was so excited on a on a film shoot that um, better uh, lay off the estrogen. 
<laughs> uh, we, we were doing a commercial out in uh, out in California, and I was so excited because the studio that we we're working with um, it was it was like a block away from uh, Henson's Studios. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. And cool. as soon as like we were driving past that, and I see Kermit up there, I swear, like I got the f- I got the feels big time because that was like I we waited every week for a new one. You know, it wasn't in rerun; it was real. We watched it in real time. The Muppets happening, hmm. and um, when I saw you know Big Kermit up there, I, I we got to the place, and the first thing I did was call the studio and like, can I get a tour? Wow! And they said. Normally, yes, but we just started shooting for a thing, and we we were on lockdown. And I was like, "Oh, Ugh. dang!" So at uh, some other time. But anyways, yeah, I'm for sure going with the Muppets. Hmm. Absolutely. Once again, Tony Island. Tony that, Island. That building's amazing too, because of course it was A and M, you know, and it was actually Chaplin's um, studios. Yes, yes, yes. Studios. So the history there is just that man. That place reeks of history. Yes, I'm, and, um, and, and also, haunted. <laughs> also haunted. Also haunted. So Ooh, yes, that, that's even more intriguing. I believe um, Karen Carpenter's ghost has been seen there. Oh my. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, thank you, Jared, for that, and thank you, John Esterly, for sending that in. And if you've got a fantastic. Would you rather for us? We would love to hear that. So please send that our way. Uh, Tony, we got to thank a few people before we let our good friend Chris go. Yes, we do. Because at this point of the show, Todd, we'd love to thank a special group of people. These are our executive producers. Now, you might be wondering, what is this executive producer? And maybe more importantly, how can I, a mere mortal, become one? Uh Uh-huh. No, it's very quite easy. It's very quite easy. It's very quite easy. What's up, Jared? <laughs> I'm taking Jared lessons. <laughs> Go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Check out a couple levels in which you can participate, become a sponsor, a patron of this very podcast. Each level comes with some really nice thank you gifts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but as an executive producer, you get all the good stuff. And there's one thing more, Jared. You get to have your name written on the thing. Man. Nope. I'm not going to I'm not going to write it on the thing. What am I well, going to do? Well, it's actually it's actually typed on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> you get to have your name read on the thing. Okay, I'm going to read off this written uh, thing here. So technically you were right the first time. Right. So special thanks to these executive producers. Moon guitars. Vader in pedals. Is that like Darth Vader in? <laughs> Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Jason Rausch, Mike D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garton, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gemalero, Bill Gola guitars. John Esterly, author of our very sad but true Would You Rather this day. This yes. Week. <laughs> uh, once again, alone with Ariel and Sebastian <laughs> the Crab. Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, Tom Brazen, John Sluhan, Rusty Sneeden. Ralph Got Shock from Wonderful Audio Technology. David Poe, 
Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, and Brett Hogarth. Thank you. All right. Todd, you interrupted me. Sorry. Because we have a special group of executive producers. We like to call them our grand poobas. These these are the top of the heap. They even have to place a fez upon their heads while listening to the podcast. So special, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Igareda, David Kaminga. Brandon Wound Pickups, Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Cadian, Sam Jett, Tyler Rines, LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. And Eddie Serratos. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Right on. Thank you indeed. All right. Well, Chris, where can people find you in some way, shape, or form? And or anything you'd like to, uh, you know, shout out to the world. Oh, let's see. Well, um, two things I wanted to add. The, the, the part of, I couldn't think of the burbs of Tokyo. Saitama is the area. Uh, a lot of musicians live out there. So it's kind of like an hour train ride out, to, out of Tokyo. So Saitama, that's, that's the place to go dig around to find a little bit better bargains, a little bit more off the beaten path. Okay. Uh, the uh, Future Factory was the Free the Tone kind of even tied equivalent pedal I was thinking of. Ah, it's just mm. nuts. Nuts and it's worth every single dollar. If you just again, if you love sound design and you love coming up with wacky stuff, that's like the phew, man, the the Na plus Ultra, you know, of that. Um to find me, I only I don't do social media too much, but I do have an Instagram page. So Chris Gill VH Writer is where you'll find me. And um, what else? I've got a um, – we, we did a very quick hit. Brad Talinsky and I just uh, – my co-author of that book, we just did actually a quick hit of The Who. Uh, Centennial Publications. If you, you'll be on your grocery store somewhere. Uh, it's one of those – just those quick hit magazine things. Very short. It's not very in-depth. But if you like The Who, there's lots of pretty pictures and a couple little amusing stories here and there. But it's not the be-all, end-all Who story. It's just kind of like uh, The Who for Dummies. Basically, that's a project we just did. Uh, and other than that, um, I'll be competing with you guys out there for this stuff. So, <laughs> you know, but again, if you find anything cool, let me know. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I love this stuff and it's just I can't get enough, you know, 500 pedals and counting. And um, I, I, I still bring in about one or two a week, believe it or not, sometimes. Wow. So, you know, sometimes I go on. I try to cut myself off a bit, but I'm just I'm binging lately. So, uh, so yeah. divide and conquer. Sounds good. Uh, Tony? Head over to PickGuardian.com. Check out some of the wares that I have available for sale. But uh, by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you're trying to do, what you want, materials, colors, all the fun stuff. I will take very good care of you. All right. Jared? Jared.Allen.Brandon on Instagram. (laughs) I'm not on there a lot, but I see I have some messages now, and I'm going to answer them, and I will answer your message. So if you want to get a hold of me, 
Jared.allen.brandon. My big face is on the picture, so yeah. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Yep. Well, you can shoot me an email, Todd at the guitarnobs.com. You could also uh, send me an, in a DM on Instagram at guitarnobs. We would love to hear from you. Uh, share if, hey, and by the way, if anybody ends as a result of this episode, nabs any cool stuff, please share it with yeah, us. Post we it. Would, we, that would be really fun um, to see what y'all are doing. And. Go out on on the uh, Discord group, and I'm sure there's going to be some discussion about that on the Discord group as well. So, uh, and if you need, uh, you can go to the link, um, the bio link in Instagram to find out more about that Discord group and jump in, and and uh, the the people out there will will help you out with that. We want to say a huge thank you to Chris Gill for joining us again. Um, one of many, I, I'm sure, I hope, and uh, thank you so much for sharing as much of your time as you have and and your knowledge. My pleasure. Yeah, I, I'd love to share this stuff, and uh, the more we talk about this stuff, the more stuff comes to light. It's good for everybody, So, because um, you know, I may be wrong about stuff, and I don't mind being corrected. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an ongoing journey in this stuff, and the more we talk about it, the more we keep the history of this stuff alive, and uh, it's all for good. Right on. Um, speaking all for good, make sure you check out Pedals for Ukraine, um, as we mentioned on Instagram. And um, if, if you need any um, further information on that, uh, you can DM me and I'll, I'll try to hook you up. All right, everybody, have a fantastic guitar week. And go buy some Japanese pedals and subscribe! <laughs> yeah. Wait, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I win a prize. <laughs> you get all the Japanese pedals in the world. All right, I got a burp. Oh, that's Woo. a severe burp. Best thing is at night when you're walking down the streets and in the little doorways, they set up the little creperets. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my my wife and I were there years ago, and I I got a uh, Nutella one. Yeah, Connie, they've got pancakes. <laughs> no. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you tell them about swearing in the club. Are you in the bathroom or something? What the? What? <laughs> no. Do you want me to go to no, the bathroom? But you s- There's a package of Chips Ahoy right here. How did this get here? As normal How's this? As you can be. How's this? Yeah. Good, good. Right, let me right. answer. Yes. And I had like Nutella all over my face. Can't Jared put the laser beams away. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> He's going to be really mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, are you all settled? You ready to go there, cowboy? I have been. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarnobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram, at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.